Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org. Well, through the years, I've taught a lot of Bible studies, but there's been three times when God just in a very unique way just spoke some things to me that I knew. It was just like heaven opened. And of course, one time was Psalm 91 when God spoke Psalm 91 to me. This was about 30 years ago. I didn't know my Bible. And in a dream, God just said verse 15 to me in that dream. I'd never read Psalm 91, had no idea it was in the Bible, had no idea that anything like that was in it. And he quoted verbatim. And the words to that Psalm answered the question that I had prayed. I'd prayed right before I went to sleep. Lord, is there any way to be protected from all the horrible things that I see coming on the earth? Because I was terrified that something was going to happen to my children, to my husband. So he quoted to me, but I had no idea where it was. And it took a day or two before I found Psalm 91 and found verse 15. Well, the next major time that God spoke to me was when all of a sudden I woke up one morning and I was just quoting, those who trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. And I said it over and over about 30 times. It was just coming out. And I thought, Lord, where is this coming from? And I had no idea that was in the Bible. And that changed my life. And then the next time that I found myself repeating a phrase that I knew didn't come from me was when all of a sudden, just out of my mouth one day, the Lord just opened my mouth and out came, there's nothing worth losing your peace over. And I thought, I know that didn't come from me because I've lost my peace too many times. I knew that didn't come from me. But I wrote a book on the first two principles and, you know, I have no idea what we're going to do with the last one, but this last one has meant as much to me as the other two. And so I think this will be a blessing to you. But the world's looking everywhere for peace. I mean, the world is just desperately looking for peace. I read about this guy that had built this safety bed. He had it in his bedroom. He has this website that's called The Safest Sleep You'll Ever Have. And when this motion sensor detects a threat, all of a sudden the sleeper just folds up around him. And it's a bulletproof canopy. And in it there's tear gas that he can spray out, you know, if it happens to be an intruder. If it's just a storm, then he's got a DVD and he can play this movie until the storm's over. And so I read that and I was laughing. Then all of a sudden I thought, you know what? Everybody's looking for peace. Now, most people are looking in the wrong places. You know, a lot of people are saying, if I just have enough money or if if I just had a meaningful relationship or if I could just keep myself entertained, if I could just keep my mind occupied. And people are constantly, and if you'll think how many times you're even looking for peace. I had to remind myself of that because the world is searching everywhere to find anything that'll bring peace. And the truth is now, peace has already been given to us. In the Christmas story, God just really spoke to me after he had given me that phrase. He spoke to me and he said, look in the Christmas story. You'll find that that's when I gave you this peace that we're talking about. There in Luke 2, 8 through 14, the angel said, we have come to announce a great joy. And I usually stop there and think about all the joy at Christmas time. But it said, we've come to announce a great joy because peace has finally come to earth. So actually, the kind of peace we're going to be talking about today is the kind that came for the first time when Christ came at Christmas time, when the the angels came to announce that. And, you know, we read over that Christmas story, we read it so quickly, but Jesus came to make this true peace, this peace that we're talking about, available for the very first time. A lot of Christians mistakenly think that, you know, they say, well, when I got saved, I got peace. Well, okay, 
partially. I agree that when we get saved, peace is available. But you know what? I'd be willing to say that there's not one person out of a hundred, maybe one person out of a thousand, that walks in the kind of peace that has been made available to us. I believe that's such a disappointment to God. It's there. It's available. He worked so hard to give it to us. And yet so many times we don't have any idea that it's even available. And then after we find out it's available, we don't know how to get it. So the Lord began to show me that our mind has to be renewed to the Word of God after we get saved in the same way that we appropriate anything else. We have to realize there is a gift of peace and it has to be appropriated in the soulish realm. And I remember when the Lord spoke this to me, I remember thinking, you know, Lord, how on earth do we do this? I know that the more intimately acquainted we become with Jesus, the more peace we're going to experience. And I know that's the first step. But an intimate relationship opens the door to this fruit of peace. And, you know, we talk about peace in the world, but we're not talking about the same kind of peace that God's talking about. God has a peace that absolutely can put something inside of us that, will change our life where we'll never be the same again. I thought it was real interesting. I've experienced more of that since we've retired because I've just really gotten busy and just started really seeking God. And I've experienced more of it recently than ever before. And I told Jack the other day, I said, Jack, it is getting more wonderful every moment. Every day I, I feel more of what God was trying to give me. A Christian really needs to want this so badly that they just make it an all-out endeavor where they just come to the place where they say, Lord, I want this kind of peace so badly that I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do anything where it's just an endeavor where we really realize there's nothing worth losing my peace over. When I first heard that, I thought, Lord, I can't believe that. I'm making say it, but I can't believe that there's nothing worth losing my peace over. And the Lord said, you'll come to a place where you realize there's nothing, nothing in this world that's worth losing your peace over. The Lord said, ask myself if this was true in my life. Well, I knew it wasn't true. <laughs> you know, I hadn't even begun to walk in that. But I realized that when that became a reality, the Lord said a miracle was going to be released in the spiritual realm. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I've experienced little bits and pieces of it where I see that miracle that's released and I realize the more we walk in this, the more God is going to open a new realm to us that most of us don't even know exists. This is a principle in scripture that will absolutely be worth its weight in gold. The more I experience it, the more I realize this is worth more than almost anything that, that I've ever experienced. But I'm having to put forth the effort every day to make it true. Now, I'm going to be giving you several examples, and some of the situations are going to make me look really bad. But even in those, when I look back in retrospect, I see how good it could have been, you know, if I'd done it right. Now, I hate having to learn from my mistakes. I know we hate that. But I tell you what, it is so much better when we can just hear it and put it to work, but it's even worth it you know, when we have to struggle and learn it the hard way. Now, you've heard it said that if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't take your goods. Kenneth Copeland, all of them have preached on that. I believe that. We want the joy and we're excited about the joy. But the Lord spoke to me and he said, it's even more important for us to realize that if Satan can't steal our peace, then he's not going to be able to rob us of any good thing. There's absolutely nothing he can take from you if we get to the place where we don't let him rob our peace. Okay, now I'm going to tell you why this is such an important principle. The thing that's going to make us successful in life is going to be when we learn how to hear the voice of the Lord. It's going to be when we're led by the Spirit. That's what's going to make any of us successful in our Christian walk. 
But did you know that it's absolutely impossible to hear God's voice when we've lost our peace? You're going to find out the only time that you are hearing accurately is when you're hanging on to your peace and you're walking in that peace of God. And this is because the peace of God is exactly like a compass. It's a spiritual compass that's constantly pointing us in the right direction. That's what's pointing you northward every single time. God's always showing me little articles. They don't mean for them to have a spiritual connotation, but I'll see that in them. But I read where in the frozen Arctic tundra of Alaska, the terrain is unbroken now by rocks or trees. There's absolutely no landmark. You walk out into that tundra and people have gone out into the tundra and they've gotten lost and, you know, they find them every day frozen out in the tundra because they couldn't find their way back. There's not any rocks. There's no trees. There's no landmarks. There's nothing. You look up, you look forward, sideways, backwards. It all looks the same. Yet the Eskimos can go out into that Alaskan tundra every single day. They can go all over. They can go for miles and miles and miles and turn around and come right back home. And so they were saying, why can the Eskimos do this? What do they do that makes this possible? Well, there's a little brown spiky grass that sticks up above the snow. And the wind always blows north, always. So that brown spiky grass leans just a little bit northward. It's just like a compass. And so they look... And they've always got that compass pointing northward. And so they go out. They can go for miles and miles. When they get ready to go home, they look at their compass and they head back home. And I thought, this spiritual peace that we're talking about that comes from God now, it's just exactly like a compass. And if we'll see it as a compass, then it's going to give us our true north in every area of our life. Doesn't matter whether we're talking about our marriage, whether we're talking about rearing our children, whether we're talking about our health. It really doesn't matter. It'll give us our true north in every single situation. The kind of peace that we're going to be talking about today will always point out God's way if we'll discipline ourselves not to let anything rob it. I really don't know any Christians, including myself, that haven't allowed the enemy to rob it. (laughs) But, you know, you'd be shocked to realize how we let Satan rob this precious gift every single day until we come to the place where we see it as something precious. I don't know what happened, but it hasn't been many months ago that all of a sudden I saw this as one of the most precious gifts that God's ever given to us. And I'm not trying to tell you I'm there, but I'm trying to say that I want it now with everything in my being. I want that. You know, anybody can have peace when everything's going right. Anybody can have peace then, you know. And that's when we usually gauge our peace. We'll say, well, you know, I'm just a peaceful person. But if we'll notice, we're saying that when everything's going well. This piece that I'm going to be talking about today is not for the good times. This piece is for the rough times. And that's usually when a Christian throws it away. We give it up just exactly when we needed it. God has given it to us for the rough times, and that's when we lay it down every single time. I'm going to give you the secret, simple little secret for never losing your peace. And I'm talking about never losing your peace. That means we take fear out of any situation that comes along. If you take the fear out of any given situation, peace is just going to automatically be there because the peace is there. It's just that the fear covers it. And we get the fear out of the way, peace is there. That's because fear and the kind of peace that we're talking about today are exact opposites. And they absolutely cannot work at the same time. So before we get into the subject now of having nothing that's worth losing our peace over, I just want us to talk for a little bit about taking fear out of these areas because fear is just like a skeleton that's in your closet. 
And I'm going to tell you what, if we've got a skeleton in our closet, it's going to peek its head out just at the most inopportune moments, but it will. Sloan won't like that I'm using her today, but she is probably one of the most fearless persons we've ever met. Jack and I used to talk about it all the time. She was pregnant with Cullen. The doctor told her that she had lost the baby and uh, was no longer pregnant with him. And so she questioned him, and I may not get the story exactly right, but she questioned him, and he said, well, he it was 99% sure that the baby had already been just naturally aborted. So when he left the room, her mother told me that she said, well, I've got a 1% chance, and I'm taking it. And I thought most people would have just dissolved in tears and would have just gone bananas over the fact that the doctor (laughs) said that she'd lost the baby. I don't remember all the things. I know there was endometriosis and several things. So they had to do emergency surgery. And he told her when the surgery was over with that he had looked very carefully through the scope and there was no baby. She still didn't give up. And uh, she came back the next week. They had to check to make sure that fluid hadn't built up in the uterus. And so when she came back, the nurse was using whatever they used and was checking it. And all of a sudden, she just let out this little scream and ran to the doctor and said, I found a fetus. We could all make our guesses of whether or not that was what caused it. But I still believe that if we won't turn loose of our faith, God comes through. I truly believe that's what happened. And I looked at it the other day and I thought, what would we do without Colin? I can't even imagine what we could do without Colin. And yet, I think she very easily could have lost that baby. I said, well, you know, we've lost the baby. He was naturally aborted. I, I thought about when she was so young and she was giving Angela permanent and Angela asked her, she said, you know, have you ever given a permanent before? And so Sloan was so confident, you know, and after it was over with, that permanent came out perfectly. And after it was over with, she admitted that she had never given a permanent before. But she said, but I've watched my mother many, many times give a permanent. I knew how to do it. But there was never a hint of fear. And Jack and I used to talk about the fact she has no fear. I was so jealous because I knew that I was dealing with fear all the time, you know. It wasn't long until they moved to Houston and she was fixing Dodie Osteen's hair every morning before Dodie Osteen went on national TV and most people would have been terrified to have done that. I went with her to Houston to see her and in the middle of the night, well, we went to this all-night open-air florist and she gathered up all the flowers and here she made these beautiful arrangements every Sunday that we would see on TV. And I thought that would terrify me to think about it. No fear whatsoever. I've looked at that, and that's been such an inspiration to me. Some of the things, like I say, that I'm going to be sharing don't show me in the very best of lights, but I'm going to tell you what, I've come a million miles, and I'm so thankful for that. May not have gotten to the place where where Sloan is, but anyway, I have come a million miles, and every time I make another step in that direction, it is making all the difference in the world in my Christian walk. Years ago, this is a horrible story on me, but years ago, Jack was building fences out of the place, and he had the back end of the pickup just, I mean, it was just loaded down with all this old barbed wire fencing that he had taken because he's just meticulous about picking up every little piece of wire that he sees because the cows will get it in their hooves, so they'll get it in their mouth, and and all of a sudden they get infected. And So I want you to picture with me now for just a moment what the back end of our pickup looked like. I mean, it was just wads of all this wire. Now, it's a farm pickup and this old rusty barbed wire that we had picked up. 
Some of it were long pieces that were rolled up. I had driven the pickup into town that day. I don't remember why. Evidently, he was using the car or something. But I'd driven it in, and I'd stopped by the filling station to get some gas. And as I was leaving, I noticed that they had this big sign that said a free car wash with... Uh, <laughs> you know, a full <laughs> tank of gas. And I was already racing on the inside because I had so many things I had to do that day. And I had somebody that was coming in the middle of the afternoon that I had to counsel with. But I thought, you know what? This is going to please Jack so much <laughs> if I give his pickup a good washing. And I realized that the pickup probably had never been washed. <laughs> you know, it probably had never had a wash. And so I dashed over and I thought, okay, I'm going to take the time. So I dashed over to that automatic car wash and started through the car wash and I was sitting there thinking, you know, what all I had to do and, oh, Lord, how am I going to get it all done? And I was sitting there just almost in a panic. All of a sudden, I heard the loudest racket I'd ever heard in my life. It sounded like that machine had blown up, the, the car wash had blown up. And I think my heart stopped, completely stopped for a moment because I thought, you know, <laughs> is this the car? Is it going to blow up next? And about that time, the filling station manager came tearing out and I jumped out of my car and we were both all of a sudden just stopped staring up into the air because that high-powered washing deal had come op over the top of the pickup and then it had swept down into the bottom of the pickup and it had picked up every square <laughs> inch of that barbed wire. Why I didn't think of that, I will never know. Jack asked me, he said, Paige Joyce, didn't you even think? And I said, well, I think I thought it would go up and go over and then come down. You know, I, I, I just had another... And we looked up, and every, the back end of the pickup was empty. And every bit of that old wire was just hanging from, that, uh, from, from the gears. I mean, it was just wadded in it. And I don't even think I breathe. That guy just, I mean, you should have seen the look on his face. And I don't know whether you've ever seen one of those pictures of the cartoon, those old pictures where the woman would have her hair in rollers, you know, and the rollers would be in every direction. That's exactly what it looked like. The barbed wire sticking in every direction. And I was so devastated. And the guy grabbed a, a tall ladder and he got up and he started trying to pull on it. And I didn't know what to do. So I just said, is there anything I can do? And he says, lady, just leave. And I, I was thrilled, you know. And so I tell you what, I, I started to run, jump in the pickup. And all of a sudden, I realized that in my haste, I had forgotten to put the gas cap on the, on the gas tank. And so I knew there was a, a very good chance that I had filled the gas tank up with water. And so now I was terrified that I wasn't going to be able to leave. And all I wanted to do was to get out of there. That's all I wanted to do. I just, I was praying, God, just get me out of this place. And I was horrified at what I'd done. I was humiliated. The pickup did start. My heart was beating about 90 miles an hour, and I made it to the light on the corner of uh, Fisk and Austin Avenue. I made it there, and it died under the light. Well, what I didn't realize is I'd forgotten that it has two tanks, and I had filled one tank, but I was on the other tank. So actually what I'd done is run out of gas, but I thought it was the water in the tank. Well, I saw four of the boys coming uh, down Fisk, and they were headed toward Howard Payne. I rolled down the window, hollered at them. I was going to get them to push me out of the traffic. They thought I was giving them a ride. So they came, jumped in the back of the pickup. They were so thrilled. And then I had, I had to get out and say, you know, push me out of the traffic. Get me out of here. I wish I could tell you that was the end of the story. Because, I mean, that was the most horrible day that I can remember. Because that was some 20 years ago. 
it hasn't been but about a couple of months ago that Jack was talking to one of the guys that was a Texaco dealer, and he told Jack about this story of this woman 20 years ago who had pulled in with a back end full, and Jack said he just froze because he knew he was talking about his wife. And I thought, 20 years later, and that story is still circulating among all of the Texaco dealers in Texas. And so that was the beginning of God saying, Pedro, there's nothing worth losing your peace over. And I remember at the time that I argued and I said, God, anybody would have lost their peace over that. I cannot believe that anybody could have gone through that and not lost their peace. And so the Lord showed me something that has helped me more than anything else in this world. He showed me it was in losing my peace earlier in the day that before the disaster happened, it was in losing my peace then that opened the door to every one of the problems, that every one of those problems could have been done away with if I hadn't lost my peace earlier. And he showed me that thinking that I didn't have enough time to get everything done, you know, losing my peace and rushing like mad, you know, to hurry and get over there made me forget about everything that was going on. I don't know whether y'all remember Grandmother Smith, but she was always saying, you know, I just got myself in a tizzy. Well, every time she said she got herself in a tizzy, that meant she lost her peace and she made a big mistake. And so that kind of got to be a funny thing that we'd say around the house, well, I just got myself in a tizzy. Well, that is putting it mildly. I had got myself in a tizzy. And if you will notice that every time you get upset and uptight and lose your peace, you'll find that 10 other things come right on its heels to cause a problem to make you lose your peace even more. It might have started out one, it's going to end up to be 20 before it's over with because there's something in the spiritual realm that draws it to you. It literally draws it to you. And I had stressed myself out that day literally to the limit. It took me weeks to get over that. Only to find out later that that little girl that I had an appointment with was going to call and she was going to cancel. She wasn't going to come. And I looked at my list later and I realized there were a lot of things on that list that didn't have to be done that day. I was just trying to do it because I was in town. And so the Lord began to show me that if I had kept my peace, if, if I had just been at peace when I came into town, I would have heard his voice. I wouldn't have been in a frantic rush. I wouldn't have been getting in a tizzy. I would have noticed that the gas cap I would have noticed that gas cap was off. I would have remembered all of the mess that was in the back end. And none of the problems would have happened. Now here I told the Lord, you know, anyone would have lost their peace. And the Lord was showing me, no, you brought it completely on yourself. You wouldn't have had any of those things if you had operated in the peace that I've made available to you. Now I've never lived that incident down, obviously, since years later, they were still telling it. But the good that came out of it is that for the first time, the first time in my life, I really did want to change. That was the day that I turned the leaf and I thought, Lord, I want to change. I don't want to be known as the girl that always loses her peace when she's in the middle of a crisis. I started confessing then like I'd never confessed before. And I started praying and really concentrating in on the fact that there's nothing worth losing your peace over. I thought, you know, Angie has taught it now in the Howard Payne Bible study. And I thought, you know what? It's affecting a lot of people because Haley, most of you know Haley, she, of course, has graduated and she's at Regent University now. But she called Angela and she said, Angela, you're not going to believe I put one of your Bible studies into effect. She said she was on the escalator 
and some little kid, he was probably two years old or under, was playing the escalator as it was going up. They had just started. She said it was a really tall one, and he got down, and it caught the button on his shirt and sucked him up against the escalator. Well, the mother went crazy, and everybody around her, and they were trying to jerk him loose. They couldn't get it loose, and they were panicked that they'd get to the top and what it might do when the escalator started trying to go under. Haley said, all of a sudden, that Bible study came back to me. And she said, I said out loud, there's nothing worth losing my peace over. And she said, the minute that I said that, she said, God spoke to me and said, turn off the escalator. And she said, okay, Lord, how do I turn off the escalator? How do I do that? And she said, she just knew to all of a sudden look around. She said, she looked down and saw a door. And she said, she flew down the escalator, went inside the door. And she said, she saw a red button. She knew to punch it. She punched that red button, and she said it stopped the escalator. She said she had never had this truth become so real to her when she realized, without losing her peace, God showed her exactly what to do in a situation that she had no way of knowing. She said she had no way of knowing how to do that, but God spoke it to her. And she said all of a sudden she realized, if we don't lose our peace, God is going to be able to speak to us things that we couldn't possibly know in the natural. And that helped me because that really let me realize, God, you really mean this. This is a gift that you'll give to us if I'll do it. And that's how we can be led by the Spirit. Now, Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, The steadfast mind, God says, I will keep in perfect peace because you're trusting in me. And all of a sudden I realized how that scripture goes hand in hand where there's nothing worth losing your peace over. Because when our mind is steadfast on God, on the Word, He's going to keep us in this perfect peace because we're trusting in Him. We're not, we're not getting our eyes over on everything that's going wrong. You know, there's not many things in this world that's called perfect. Not many things. And yet God is calling this kind of peace the perfect peace. And I thought, you know what, Lord? There may not be many perfect things in this world, but you're saying that peace can be perfect, that we can walk in a perfect peace. So the Lord showed me that even when I was believing God to walk in a peace that passes human understanding, I still wasn't reaching high enough to believe that it was a perfect peace. All of a sudden, it just started really just making more sense than ever before. So the Lord told me to look it up, and I looked up that word peace in the Hebrew. I was shocked. It meant completeness. It means soundness, favor, healing, safety, trusted, prosperity, and wholeness. I was flabbergasted when I saw what all it meant. We're living so far below our inheritance, so far below, when Jesus very plainly says, I've come that you might have peace. And I think what throws us is the world talks about a peace, but it's not talking about the same kind of peace. It, there needs to be two different words. When the world's talking about peace, that has nothing to do with the kind of peace that God's talking about. So we're talking about something that's so much higher, so much greater than we could ever possibly imagine. And when you read that verse over again, God says, I will keep him in completeness. I'll keep him in soundness, in favor. I'll keep him healed. I'll keep him safe. I'll keep him trusted. I'll keep him in prosperity. I'll keep in wholeness the one whose mind is steadfast, kept steadfast in him. That's not talking about when everything's going great. That's talking about during a crisis. There's a lot of people, really, who have never experienced peace. There's a lot of people who have never 
in their life experienced the kind of peace that we're talking about today. Now, some people have experienced the worldly peace, you know, at times, and they get excited about that. But we're talking about something that's very supernatural, that's beyond anything that this world knows about. Now, believing God, that's where peace begins, and that is a personal response that grows out of our Christian faith. It grows out of our intimacy with Him. And our Christian faith is expressed in this perfect peace. When you walk in this perfect peace, you're expressing then your faith. And I've never thought about my peace expressing my faith before. There's nothing that makes a person go berserk and lose all good reasoning sense more than losing their peace, <laughs> you know, and getting into fear. And the Lord reminded me of Abraham. You know, I mean, he absolutely loved his wife. He loved Sarah. And yet he allowed her to be put in the king's harem. And once you're put in the king's harem, you stay there. You belong to the king. And he literally gave up his wife, you know, because he got into fear, because he lost his peace. And he didn't do it once. He did it twice. And it was only God that gave him back that precious gift because he gave it up. Now, most of the time, we don't think a great deal about what an awesome gift this is. And every day, every month, this is becoming more and more real to me. It's just, it's growing on the inside of me. And I realized there are no words to adequately talk about, you know, the value of this kind of peace. Now, when peace comes, we're going to find out that the problem is on its way out. Anytime that you get peace in the midst of a problem, just know in your mind and know in your heart that the problem's on the way out. And when we determine that we're going to stay in that peace, there's something that takes place in the spiritual realm. It's kind of like with Haley when all of a sudden God just told her exactly what to do. Something takes place in the spiritual realm that opens the door to the miracle that we need. It's worth anything. It's absolutely worth anything to get this fear out and to start walking in, the, in this kind of peace that God's given to us. Now, I do want to say right here that the kind of peace I'm talking about is not passive. I'm not talking about something that's passive. You know, it's not a case of Ross or Rob. You know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, so I'm just not going to worry about it. That's not what we're talking about. Jesus was peace personified, and he was very aggressive. In Mark 4, 36 through 40, he calmed the storm and then he immediately turned and rebuked that fear in those disciples. In Luke 8, 41, Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus and he was just devastated. He was already at a point where he had very little peace because his daughter was dying. And all he could think about was getting Jesus to go to his house and lay hands on that little girl and get her well. You know, wouldn't you know... All of a sudden, this lady who had been dealing with an illness for 12 years stopped him, you know, touched his garment and stopped him. And, you know, I'd never thought about Jairus before, but all of a sudden the Lord said, think what Jairus went through. He's standing there thinking his little girl is right at the point of death. And here comes a lady that's been dealing with the same thing for 12 years. And she gets all of the Lord's attention. And you know he must have stood there thinking, couldn't you have waited a little longer? You've been putting up with this for 12 years. Couldn't you have waited a little longer? My little girl's at the point of death. And then to make matters as bad as they could get, here come the servants and they say, don't bother the master any longer. Your little girl's dead. She's dead. It's too late. And yet I thought it was so interesting what Jesus did. He didn't address the obvious problem. He skipped clear to the chase and he attacked the real problem and he pointed right at Jairus and he said, get rid of the fear. That's the first thing he said. Here, his little girl's dead. <laughs> and yet Jesus is addressing the fear. And I thought, if he addresses the fear when the child is dead, 
that really spoke to me how important it is for us to get the fear out of our way in any situation, no matter what we're facing. Now, the first thing that Jesus addresses when we face a disaster, the first thing he addresses is get the fear out. Now, we may be so caught up in it that we don't hear that, but if we'll be listening, we're going to find out the first thing he addresses is that fear. And the reason is because fear is just exactly like a magnet in the spiritual realm, and it literally draws that problem to you. And it does. I've looked back over my life and every single time that I've gone through anything, I could see where fear, it was just like a magnet that just sucked it to me. Proverbs 10, 24 says, what the wicked fears comes upon him. And it does. I believe that God is trying to take every one of us into a new realm of faith because I believe we're getting very close to the end times. I believe you can just look around in the world and see that. He's trying to bring us into a faith that will never turn loose of this peace. And we're not going to get there if we don't get rid of the fear. But he's trying to bring us into that kind of faith. It's going to be a faith that most of us have never experienced before. But he's getting ready to build that on the inside of each one of us because we're going to have to have it. And he's ready to give it to us. I'm going to give you an example of what I believe perfect peace looks like in the midst of a crisis. You know, we can read in the Bible and see these examples, and these are real. You know, I had to put myself in Jairus's place and think through that. But it really came alive to me when I walked with my brother when Julie was thrown from the horse. I saw the kind of peace that God was talking about, and I saw what happened because of it. Now, she was thrown from the horse. They x-rayed her at the Brownwood Hospital, and most of you know the story of how she was sent immediately to Abilene. Well, by the time Jack and I got out to the uh, Brownwood Hospital, well, Dr. McGowan got hold of me, and he just grabbed me and hugged me and said, Oh, Pedro, I can't lie to you. It really is bad. We really need to pray. He prayed with us. Then Jack and I took off to Abilene. Well, when we got there, they wheeled Julie by, and her face was just a solid blood uh, under the skin. was just all the blood from the back. I guess the impact was in the back, and they had thrown all the blood to the front. You could, no one could have recognized her. They wheeled her by, and the x-ray showed that her skull had been shattered just like an eggshell. And so the doctor walked up, and he didn't pull any punches. He said, she will not live through the night. And those were his words to Jimmy and to me. Two or three of us were there and somebody made the comment, well, you know, surely there's a possibility of her living. And he said, if she lives, she'll be severely brain damaged. She will have some amount of loss of eyesight because we know that the optic nerve has been damaged. And he said, I don't even know whether she'll have any hearing because they could tell that these, these bones were just shattered. And everything we heard and everything we saw painted an impossible situation. It was impossible. The doctor was saying it was impossible. And you know what? I looked at Jim, and he just refused to lose his peace. For a little while, I thought, you know, he's just not even listening because he really wasn't paying that much attention to what the doctor said. And so I said something to him. The doctor's standing right there within earshot, and I said something to Jimmy, and Jimmy turned, and he said, I am not going to lose my peace. He said, the word of God tells me something entirely different than what this doctor is saying. And he said, I am not going to lose my peace. And when he said that, it's like something clicked on the inside of me. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's right, you know. And so I got in agreement with him then, even though I was really having to push back what I was seeing and hearing. So while they were running Julie through all these tests, Jim took us out and got us a, a bite to eat. And as he was talking and saying the word of God, peace just absolute flowed over the whole group. And there were a bunch of us that went. I'm, I mean, people from Brownwood had just 
flooded over there. And I'm going to say that there were at least 12 of us that had finally made it over there. But anyway, the ward where they put Julie now, there were a lot of patients in there that had had riding accidents and, and car wrecks and everything. And they had been in there for eight and nine months. And some of them were still just learning how to crawl. Some of them were trying to learn how to walk. And nine days after this happened to Julie, keep in mind, the, the skull was crushed. He had told us all this damage that he had found on the x-rays. And nine days she walked out of that hospital. It had to have been a supernatural miracle because she walked out, no loss of eyesight. She still didn't wear glasses. There's no loss of hearing, no brain damage. You know, I mean, it's just the entire hospital would bring people in and point her out and say, this is the little miracle girl. And she was. She was a miracle girl. You ask if Jimmy's hanging on to his peace had anything to do with it. And I most certainly believe it did. I truly do. His peace made it possible for him to hear God what to tell him to do. Now, those nine days were horrendous. I mean, he'd have to tell you all that. But I mean, she would cry and scream and go on and God would tell him step by step what to do. And so he, he had to go through that nine days that she was in the hospital. But I'm going to tell you what, it was worth it. She came out of that in nine days and was perfect. I thought then, I thought, oh God, there is nothing worth losing your peace over. Because I know that if we'd lost our peace that day, if he'd lost his peace, I truly believe that Julie wouldn't have lived. Peace and faith, they work hand in hand. They absolutely go together. When I lose my peace, I guarantee you my faith is not in operation. But if we can believe that God is a good God, and if we believe that the Psalm 91 covenant of protection is true, I mean, it says it so clearly. If we believe that Jesus is the healer, if we believe that he never leaves us and he never forsakes us, if we truly believe that he's as near as the very breath that we breathe, if we believe that he hears us when we pray according to his will, and if we believe that he works all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes, then when you get right down to it, there really is nothing worth losing our peace over if we, if we truly believe what the Word of God says. Now, I'm going to very quickly give you five situations where people most often lose their peace because these are where most people would lose their peace. And sometimes when we name the problem, it makes it just a little bit easier to recognize. But number one is when a life is in danger. That's when we most often lose our peace, when it's a life-threatening situation. Now, years ago, we had a teenager that was out at the house that wanted to ride Bill's horse. And we told her, don't kick that horse in, in the flanks. And she did it anyway, and that horse took off. And just as, as the horse rounded the corner, headed down the lane, well, she decided she's going to bail off. And she bailed off just in time to hit her head on the fence post. Well, by the time we got to her, of course, her mother and dad and Bill and all of us, we, we were just taking off running tartar. And when we got there, her eyes had already rolled back in her head. She had blood coming out of her mouth and out of her ear, so we knew that the skull was fractured. And she had already turned this really funny gray color. Her father's in the medical field, and so, I mean, he knew all those signs, and you could tell by the look on his face that he was absolutely panicked. And it looked bad. I mean, we were all just panicked, and every one of us had lost our peace except Jack, and Jack was way back across the field, just walking real slowly coming across the field, and I was so embarrassed. I thought, oh, they're going to think he doesn't even care, you know, that he's not even concerned that uh, she had an accident riding our horse, you know, and so I, I could feel myself, my face turning red and being so embarrassed and just wanting to come on, you know, and he's coming very slowly, but when he got over there, what he was doing, he was trying to hear God. 
and he hadn't lost his peace. He was the only one that didn't lose his peace then, and he was hearing God. And when he got there, he immediately started taking authority in the name of Jesus. He started rebuking the fear, and he started rebuking what had taken place. And all of a sudden, his peace then calmed the rest of us, and we all got busy and started doing what we knew to do. And so they took her to the hospital, and they did keep her overnight. But by the next morning, all the symptoms were gone, and they dismissed her. The doctor said, I don't understand this, because he said, I can see the dried blood. I know blood came out her mouth and came out her ear. And he said, I don't understand this, but I'm just telling you she's okay. And I can't say this often enough, but fear has to be handled if we're going to walk in this kind of peace. Sometimes it helps if we just stop and recognize what fear feels like. Because sometimes we don't recognize the fear. You know, sometimes it's something that we've put up with so long that we're not even aware that that really is fear. You know, sometimes it's you just kind of feel a knot in the pit of your stomach, or sometimes it's kind of like a little sick feeling in the pit of your stomach. Some people get real sweaty palms or just kind of a cold sweat, and some people have told me that they get an adrenaline rush, and they they said, I never saw that as fear before. Of course, some people just feel paralyzed, and they pretty well know that's fear. But make yourself recognize the way that fear affects you. Make yourself stop and recognize that. You know, some people have lived so long with that fear that it feels normal. And so they don't really realize, hey, I'm dealing in fear right now. Also begin to notice what tends to initiate that fear. You know, there's a lot of people that they deal with the same old thing that gives them fear over and over and over. So they've gotten used to it. You know, there's some people that they have a problem if they know they're going to have to confront somebody. And they just get frozen. With some kids, it's taking a test. They flat mess the test up because they get in so much fear. Some people just balancing their checkbook, you know. <laughs> they think, well, this is normal, or, or maybe it's looking at the bills at the end of the month, or some people is just facing certain people, and they don't realize it's a fear that needs to be dealt with, or going to the doctor, or thinking that something's going to happen to one of your members of your family. Now, when we feel those feelings, that is spiritual warfare. Now, it may be pretty subtle, but it's spiritual warfare, and it's the enemy, and that's when we need to get a scripture promise that addresses that particular problem and say it until we conquer that fear. I don't care how long we've put up with it. We don't need to put up with it any longer. And then choose to call ourselves back into peace because we've all got areas where we're vulnerable, and we need to say, okay, this is an area that I need to take care of. Now, it's amazing how many people think that there's something wrong if they're facing a problem and they're not anxious. They think, well, there's something wrong with me if I'm not anxious. That's such wrong thinking, you know. Sometimes we're worried what other people will think about us. They'll think, you know, if we're not showing a little bit of concern, that means we don't care. And we worry about what other people think. And all these things are things that the enemies put on us to try to keep us in fear. Okay, so the number one opportunity to lose our peace is when someone's life's in danger. Number two opportunity to lose peace is when the chaos has already taken over the situation. Jolene, our little granddaughter, when she was in Turkey, she was doing some lifeguarding in the pool in the summertime, and an earthquake occurred. And she didn't really know that it was an earthquake, but the water in the pool started moving, and she said everyone started screaming and hollering. There were a lot of adults outside the pool and a lot of kids in the pool. And she said that fear all of a sudden just took over. She said that she didn't have any fear. She said it's not that she never has fear, but she didn't in that particular time. And 
She said that the Lord spoke to her and said, do what I tell you to do. And he told her to start praying out loud. And so she did. And she said she started praying. And then all of a sudden, she said the ones around her started getting quiet. And then others started getting quiet. And she said suddenly there was just a calm that came over everybody in that area. This was a Turkish base. And so these were Muslim children that were hanging on to her. But everything got peaceful. And she said she didn't think that much about it until she realized literally five minutes. It wasn't five minutes away. There were a thousand people who were killed in that earthquake. Five minutes away from She said there was some damage to some of the houses, but not even much damage. No one was killed. No one was hurt. And so I've thought about that after she told me the story and everything. I thought, you know, did her not losing her peace and being in a position to hear God's voice tell her what to do, is that what saved the base? And I realize we're not going to know until eternity. But I guarantee you, God is telling us, I've given you these gifts, not only for yourself, but for the people around you. Other people are living the security of the believer. And I truly believe that if we could do it God's way, we'd be shocked at how many people we could save, how many lives we could save, you know, how many things that we could overcome. Those thousand people, they sent people in from all over the world, rescue teams, and they were not able to save one single life, these thousand people. They had a little over a thousand people that, that were killed in that earthquake. Nothing at the base, five minutes away. Okay, number three. This is important. Because it's amazing how many times Satan will lure us into falling for robbing peace from other people. It's amazing. Sometimes we we're, think we're doing it all in fun. And my grandmother would always tell this story on my mother. When she was in Howard Payne, grandmother and granddad lived in San Saba. And so mother went home, first time home after she had been off to college and grandmother and granddad had gone to town. And so anyway, mother thought it would be real funny. So she waited until she saw them come down the hill to their house and she filled her mouth full of red cake coloring and she went running out the door and then she pretended she failed and <laughs> opened her mouth and let all that cake coloring run out. Well, Grandmother didn't wait till the car stopped. Grandmother tore out of the car. And if I'm not mistaken, I think grandmother was one driving. And granddad had to uh, get the car stopped. Uh, I could be wrong on that. But anyway, she tore out of the car with the car still headed down there. I thought, you know, that could have been a tragedy that day, you know. Sometimes we don't value and protect this peace because we really don't see it for the precious gift that it is. And so sometimes we just need to stop and, and say, hey, I'm not going to rob somebody's peace. I'm going to teach my children that you don't rob peace. Now, you can have fun and tease and do things like that, but there's ways of doing it without robbing peace. I'm convinced that if we don't lose our peace, I'm convinced that we can hear God's voice and know what to do in every crisis situation. I believe that's a gift that he's made available to us, and most of us never walk in it because we don't even know it's available. We don't know it's there. Okay, number four, the fourth time when it's hard to hang on to your peace is when you lose control of a situation. And sometimes it's the little bitty small things that cause us to lose our peace the most. We've talked about big situations, but you know the parable of the woman who lost the coin and boy, she turned her house upside down, looking all over the house trying to find that coin. Well, that speaks to all of us. I know there's nothing that drives me 
more crazy than losing something and knowing it's there and just can't find it. And some people are always losing their keys or they're losing the phone number or they're losing some important piece of paper. And I work with people all the time and they're always telling me how much time they lose in a day looking for something that they've lost. When losing something is a frequent problem, then the the Lord spoke to me and he said, this is a subconscious fear that's drawing that problem to us. We need to stop and realize this isn't by accident. This is something that's actually drawing it to me. Some people lose 30 and 40 minutes or an hour a day just looking for things. And there's no peace in that. So the Lord said, pray preventatively. And we can keep so many things from happening if when we begin our day, we pray preventatively before we ever start. Using scriptures, in this case, when something's missing, where we use the scripture, there's nothing hidden that'll not be made known, nothing covered that'll not be revealed. And say that until that assignment is actually broken. Now, Jesus said, my peace I give to you. I had to ask myself, what am I doing with the peace? He, he gave the peace to me, but so many times I was covering it over with fear and frustration and Satan was stealing more from me than I could ever possibly put across. All of a sudden, one day the Lord spoke to me and he said, if the world didn't give me that peace, then the world's not going to be able to take it away. Okay, the fifth situation when it's easy to turn loose of the God-given peace is when somebody's trying to cheat you, when somebody's trying to harm you, or maybe when they're telling lies about you. And we've all had that happen at different times. And I'm going to end with a story that is rather humorous, but it lets you know that the devil's going to try anything, you know, to try to get you to lose your peace. Years ago, I had the unpleasant duty of having to address a situation where a girl was really causing a lot of problems in the choir. And it had gotten bad. And so Jack asked me to handle it. He said, well, she's female. You handle it. I thought I had handled the situation pretty well. I had talked with her and everything seemed to have gone all right. Well, it wasn't any time until I started having people call me that she was telling this story of how I had screamed at her. She told how I had put her down. And uh, if I called her name, you'd even know who she was. And she was saying all these ugly things that I'd said about her. And none of it was true. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was just, I couldn't even believe that it was happening. And yet these people were calling me. Well, I was so frustrated that I called her and I said, come back down to the church. We need to talk. And so anyway, she came to my surprise. She said, now, I'm not going to talk to you unless you come and get out of my car. And I thought, well, there's no big deal in that. So anyway, I got in her car and she was talking very low. I thought maybe she'd lost her voice. I didn't know what had happened. She was talking really low. But anyway, I couldn't believe some of the things that she was saying to me. It was just shocking me and ugly, ugly things that she was saying to me and I'm sitting there thinking, what is going on? And she just kept on and on and on until I heard the tape recorder click off. It was under the seat. What she was trying to do, she was trying to get me so angry over things that I would lose my temper and say something that she could use against me. I mean, I was just flabbergasted that she'd do that. Mark it down. Sometimes the devil's not going to play fair and, you know, he'll do anything to rob your peace. He'll find a way. And the... You know, the enemy knows better than we do how important it is for us to hang on to that God-given peace. The wonderful part about hanging on to our peace is that every single time, God will work it out. You know, we just have to remind ourselves. Now, only God could have arranged it for that tape recorder to turn off for me to hear it, and I was able to realize what had happened. And since we were hidden in the car and nobody was out there and nobody was looking, I was able to take my purse and just beat the tar out of her without anybody knowing. (laughs) That's what I wanted to do. But anyway... (laughs) 
I sat there with my mouth open. I was just dumbfounded, you know. But you know what? God took care of it, and she realized she was caught. You know, she she knew, and uh, God completely took care of that situation. And I, I mean, I won't go into all the detail, but I just thought only God could have done that, and only God could have vindicated me that way. But Jesus is our Prince of Peace. He is our Prince of Peace, and He has given Himself. He said that Jesus is our peace. He's given himself to be our peace. And no matter how big or how small that trial is, he really will work it out in the end if we trust him. And that's why Philippians 4 verse 7 tells us this is a peace that passes human understanding. We're not talking about the peace of the world. We're talking about something that's beyond all human understanding. And it goes on to say that the peace of God that passes all human understanding will guard your heart and guard your mind. And so God's already made a way that if we'll be led by the Spirit, we're going to see the supernatural and we're going to see it change impossible situations. I could have given you so many more examples of impossible situations that God changed when someone held on to their peace. He says that he will keep our heart and our mind in perfect peace. No wonder God tells us that there's nothing in this world that's worth losing our peace over. And I want that to become such a reality in my life and in your life that Satan will never again be able to rob us of one of the best gifts that God's ever given to us. And most of the time, we've never seen peace as the, the gift that it really is. So, Father, we just, I thank you, Lord. I thank you with all of my heart that you've given us a gift that's worth more than we'll probably ever in this life realize. But, Father, we want to at least realize it enough to really walk in it, Lord. To walk in it and to realize there's nothing worth losing our peace over. And that if we'll trust you and not lose our peace and release our faith to you, you'll work out anything that we're facing. It doesn't matter what it is. You'll work it out. It doesn't matter how impossible it is. You'll work it out. And, Father, we thank you for that. I thank you for Julie and, and the miracle you did there. I thank you for the miracles, Father, that we've seen, each one of us, when you took care of things. But, Father, you'll take care of every single one of these things if we'll determine in our heart there's nothing worth losing my peace over. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.